For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Sports Podcast, where we talk history of the game numbers and stats. And each week we highlight a charity that's doing good. If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should. Because I'm sick, this, 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 the real deal. And you know I got a shout out to Buffalo Bill. Turn it up to the max, sit back and relax. This is the Buffalo Nerds Sports Podcast. Let go! Hey, what is up, Bills Mafia? Welcome into this episode of the Buffalo Nerd, your home for Buffalo Bills football with a charity on top. Brought to you by SB Nation on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network, and it's being served up to you live by Picasso's Pizza on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. Treat yourself to the most wonderful pizza on game day. Picasso's, we are Buffalo Pizza, shipping local and nationwide. Order online at picassospizza.net. I'm your host, Colt Schroeder. If this is your first time catching the show, thanks for being here. Uh, if you're already part of the nerd herd, welcome home. As you can see this week, I am joined by Ian Valentino. He's a member over at Pro Football Network uh, 365. He does fantasy. Today, we're going to dive into numbers and who you should be putting your money on on this Bills roster. Ian, welcome in, sir. How are you? Thanks, Colt. I appreciate it. Really, really excited. Uh, obviously, we're like a week away of the season kicking off and college football this weekend, so you really can't go wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean, college football kicking off right now as we speak. There's quite a few games going on already. I think we got college football all the way through the weekend and then next week, right? I mean, it's happening. It's finally, finally. here. <laughs> Everybody's been dying, waiting, right? The closer you get to it, the worse it gets. And then now <laughs> we're finally there, right? We get the rosters. Things are starting to develop. It's time to get going. Super excited. Uh, but like we do every week on the show, uh, before we get into all the football stuff, we are going to highlight a charity. Uh, Ian does choose the charity because he's the guest on the show. So he decided to choose uh, St. Jude's this week. So Ian, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about why you chose them? Yeah, St. Jude's, it's just an amazing organization. Um, I worked closely with them in college. Um, I was a Teak and Tau Cap Epsilon in college. And that was our that was our fraternity Um uh, charity that we often did uh, fundraisers for. And so just got to see a lot of close up of what they did. Um, everything that you donate to them goes straight into what they do. Uh, I think that's an amazing thing. That's It's super critical for charities uh, to invest in their people, invest into the whatever their cause is. And um, you really can't get any better than, than working with kids and, and doing what they do. So uh, for me, it was a no brainer. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think most people are familiar with this organization. They do incredible stuff, right? I mean, you if you haven't for some reason heard about them or you forgot where to find them, they're at, you know, you can saw there on the screen, they're at stjudes.org. Uh, so you can head over there. There's ways to donate time, money, energy, whatever you got, right? They're, they're willing to uh, take anything and everything that you can put out. So very cool organization. What's up, Richard's in the house tonight. Thanks, Richard, for being here, man. Appreciate you. So we're going to kick off with a little bit real quick. Uh, this isn't necessarily Ian's wheelhouse per se, but he covers the football on all aspects, right? So just real quick, I want to touch on a couple things because we just had the 53-man roster come out. And some Bills Mafia, some upset about some things, you know, some pieces moved that they didn't want moved. And <clears throat> I've been trying to take the approach of like, our fringe players are just no longer fringe players. Like the second level for us now is the fringe, right? Like I feel that's where we are, but is there anything like anybody that was crazy cut over the NFL or on the bills or anything that like, you're just like, man, the NFL is crazy. Um, you know, some of it is, you know, it's like you said, it, the 53 man is so strict and it limits so much of what you do. And I think that fans kind of uh, sometimes miss the boat when you're looking at like who could be cut because a lot of times 46, 48 positions are already kind of locked in. Draft status matters. Um, you know, if financial obligations matter, there's not usually that many roster spots really open. I thought CJ Gardner Johnson, I know he wasn't cut, he was traded, but it essentially was a move made because they couldn't have an extension. Uh, and also they were simply looking to to revamp their defense a little bit. I thought that was a really surprising move. That was a great pickup for Philadelphia. Uh, for the Bills specifically, OJ Howard, I think that's that's obviously that caught everyone's eye. Um, you know, it just kind of goes back to, to what he was as a prospect. Everyone knew he was risky because he had one great game, but he's an amazing athlete. And I think, you know, he goes to Buffalo. I know I really liked him coming out of Alabama. The hope is that, Oh, like this is his chance. It's finally his chance. And, you know, just again, speaks to their depth. They did a great job, uh, scouting guys that really fit what they want to do. And, and Howard really hasn't been the guy that maybe we thought that he could have been. So, uh, Justin Coleman too, another really good player, um, that was cut out of Seattle, um, good slot cornerback. Thought he could fit some some a lot of teams around the league because a lot of teams need help there. Um, so he was another guy that I would say that he would probably catch on pretty quickly somewhere else that needs help. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a tough proposition. Like right? when I'm looking at it, I tend to go to money first. Um, yeah. That's where I I start my processes. I'm like, how much money is this going to cost us? Because we don't have a lot of it. And you're right, there are a ton of rosters that just don't need a lot. And I consider the Bills to be one of those rosters. And we should be comfortable and enjoy being in this position because the 17 years prior were terrible, right? So I would much rather just be like, sorry, bro, um, I love you. I hope it works out for you. But it's just probably not here when you've got some of the guys we're going to talk about in front of you. I mean, it, it's just very tough. So yeah. I think it's interesting yeah. uh, how people manage it. Different teams do it different ways. Um, you saw the Bills cut. Tavon Austin a week prior to this, and then they brought him back immediately on the practice squad. So there's some gamemanship, I think, that goes on with all this as well, right? That's definitely part of it. And some of it's short-term versus long-term building. And some of that's going to change too over the first couple of weeks because uh, you want to kind of match your, your practice squad to whoever you're playing up next if they have inside knowledge of who you're playing. So there's definitely gamesmanship to it. There's definitely some politics to it. There's developmental factors that go into all of this. Um, there's contractual reasons. If guys are on practice squad after week one, then you can elevate them to their full roster and not have to um, uh, pay for their, for their full salary. Like it ends up not being guaranteed. So there's there's a lot of little minutia things that matter, especially for a team like the Bills. Like you said, there's not a lot of money to play with. So even if it's a couple hundred thousand dollars, that matters. <laughs> it's going to matter for this team over the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think you bringing up OJ Howard is like a premium, premium piece of that, right? Because I was, I, 
throughout camp, I was like, he doesn't look good. This doesn't look good. Like everybody else is shining and I have no idea that he's on the field. Right. So that's a problem, but you paid him $3 million. So it felt like he's going to make it probably either way. And you would try to just keep forcing the issue. And they were just like, nah, we're not doing that. And then Cincinnati immediately was like, well, we'll give it a go. You know, that's just like, (laughs) but also that is, I think partially they're like, Hey, what are the bills up to? You, you've you've been over there for two months now. What are the bills doing? Right. Like, I think that's part of it. It's it's the blessing of being a first early round pick, and it's also you know also a little bit of gamesmanship. It has two things. He's going to keep getting jobs forever as long as he's a healthy one. It's and it's a position that's really tough to to develop as well. So, hey, if yep. you can have a kid that's six four, six five, and can run fast, uh, tight end is not a p- bad position for them. Absolutely, and and you saw what they did immediately. Like uh, the practice squad right now, they only picked up three players from outside of guys that they had in camp, and one of them was a tight end, super tall guy, six eight. Right, it, it looks exactly the same, except for this guy came from like North Dakota State or something like that instead of Alabama. Right, so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. <clears throat> But real quick, before we get you in your wheelhouse, Poyer Watch, I like to touch on it every week. Um, He's ready. He's practicing. All signs point to he'll be on the field next week, which is great. Uh, I think the problem for him is, according to Brandon Bean today, there's about $2 million. And I don't know how you fit Jordan Poyer into what he's probably truly looking for with $2 million. Now, I, there's ways to do it, right? You're in season. You can, you can go above the numbers and just get back under him later and do all those kinds of wheeling and dealing. Right. But Jordan Poyer, I, unfortunately the injury, I think probably stole him getting the deal early. And then this punter situation where the bills were going to pay like $400,000 for the punter this year. And now they're going to have to pay probably a little over a million or so, or whatever, 2 million maybe. So uh, where, where do you stand on that kind of situation? How do you feel about Jordan Poyer? Tough. Love the talent. Um, really liked him coming out of college. Was really happy, um, you know, see him get another chance in Buffalo. I thought Cleveland, you know, he played decently. And then obviously in, in Buffalo, he's just been incredible. Um, so I, it's one of those tough things, though. You, you got to make your moves where you can and you got to save money wherever you can. 31, um, going to be 32 next offseason. So, you know, kind of logically, I'd say you probably don't pay him. And it's really, really tough to say that about a guy who's an all pro uh, level performer. But, uh, with, like, you know, with this type of roster, you got to really limit with what you guarantee long term. And they made that jump with Von Miller. I don't know if you're going to want to guarantee, you know, more than, you know, this year, next year for a guy who's going to continue to age. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm in that same boat. I've been saying that all offseason that I once he once he signed with Drew Rosenhaus, I was like, uh, this is trouble because he's going to want money and he deserves money. Right. Like he's played Absolutely. like an all pro. But unfortunately, like you mentioned, he's on the tail end of really shining. And I, I just I don't see I when they signed Hyde to the long term deal, I the writing was on the wall for me that they kind of were choosing to go a little bit more with like the brains type of player compared to the guy that's going to be bruising his body potentially in his late thirties, you know? So um, I, I don't think he's going to stick around. Uh, I thought they might sign him to a one-year deal this year, pay him nicely with the idea that he's probably playing with somebody different next year. Um, But I mean, that's tough. You know, it, it it is when you start talking about like, we're just going to walk away from all pros, but I, I mean, at some point you have to, because you have to have a churn or, or yeah. you just win now and then you're dead. Right. If, yeah. I mean, you, you basically have to pick one. I mean, you're going to, you know, you got Trey Davis white's contact uh, contract already. And, you know, Tremont Edmonds got his contract, you know, in, in a certain situation at Oliver potentially. So it's like, you, you can't so much. have, you can't have them all. And yeah. so you get your third round comp pick in the future year. And this is where you rely on the coaching staff. You rely on the, the scouting department 
safety theoretically would be an easier position to replace theoretically, um, especially if you have Hyde back there. So you make those tough calls as, as you go. Yeah, especially when you have the team around them that you do right now, it's easier to say like, okay, we can let that slide and see what happens. I've been standing by this whole time that eventually Tredavious White's going to be a safety. And uh, the way that we deal with the the cornerback position, we do really well with the cornerback position at bringing fresh guys in. They did it again this year. Um, I, I just think that there's some there's maneuverability that they believe in on the back end and paying older guys long term. I don't I don't know that that flies. Yeah, it's 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 tough. I, yeah. I'm going to, it'll be disappointing, right? And as soon as the guy that comes in is terrible, it's going to, it's going to be real bad. Right. But who cares? So, all right, let's start talking about NFL in general a little bit. So I want to give people kind of a perspective of where you're coming from. Uh, you normally people that cover the NFL, they don't really have an allegiance to a team, right? Where did, what's your true kid allegiance? Where did you start? Who's your hometown team? So I actually grew up in Rochester, New York, um, but I wasn't a Bills fan. Um, so a lot of my family is Bills fans. Um, my dad was a Dolphins fan because he grew up, uh, he didn't grow up, he, he grew up in Ohio. So he's more of a Browns fan, but, um, he actually was in uh, Miami for a large part of the Shula era. And so he ended up being a big Dolphins fan. So, um, I ended up being kind of a Dolphins fan, but I grew up in Ohio later too. So I've kind of been all over and, and not been super passionate about a, a franchise for quite a while. Yeah. I mean, you tend to find that like when I reach out to a lot of people, I'm talking to them and they, when they have NFL in their name, it's because they truly don't really have like this allegiance at all to any team. Right. You know, that's kind of they're just in general. They just love what's going on with football. So they just trend to everything. Um, so that's that's kind of the answer I was anticipating we would get. But all right. So now let's start talking about AFC, NFC. But real quick, before we jump into that, you guys can see on the screen that are watching uh, the folks over at Play Action Pools. Uh, they're partnering with the show this year. We partnered with them last year. You know, I, I love those guys over there. Uh, we're, this year, we're obviously doing the pick'em contest. The link is down below you. If you haven't entered already, get in there and do it. See if you guys can beat me. Uh, I'm betting you can't. Um, but if you can, you can come in and try to beat me. It's free to play, and you can win yourself a little autograph Bills memorabilia when it's all said and done. Okay? So make sure you guys hit that link down below, and you guys go check out Play Action Pools. They do stuff like weekly survivors. If you just want to challenge your coworkers, you can put together a weekly tournament, couple weeks, playoffs. You can do all sorts of cool stuff. It's a lot of fun. So, all right. NFC's best. Who is it? I go towards Tampa Bay. I know it's easy. They're the betting favorite. Um, but it, just on paper, it makes sense. There's too much offense. Uh, a lot of teams got worse. Uh, Green Bay got worse. And I didn't think that they were really a Super Bowl contender anyways with that roster. San Francisco probably took a step back um, for the short term, making the quarterback change. Even though it's the right move, uh, I think Lance is going to have you know those, uh, ups and downs throughout the year. Um not sure about the Rams either. I mean, losing Miller was huge. He changed their season when they acquired him. Same for Beckham. They changed their season. So they're going to be in the mix. I think the Rams are going to be right there. I think Philadelphia is my dark horse, though. Um, the question with them is Hurts. Can Hurts get him through? Are they the team of the second half of last year? Or are they a team of the first half? Or are they somewhere in between? Because if they're the team of the second half and Hurts takes a step, that team could make a Super Bowl. If they're just kind of – they got hot weaker schedule, which is the case. It was a bit of a weaker schedule in the second half of last year. Um, if they're that team, yeah, they're probably just a wild card team. So I don't love the NFC. I would, I'm not going to say I'd be stunned if the Super Bowl champion came from that conference because it's kind of the same thing as last year. It's one game. Where right? It's yeah. just one game. Yep. Yeah. And, and you get lucky. You play the weakest team of the AFC that could have possibly come out from the last three teams. Anything can happen. Um, but on paper, I think there are probably three or four AFC teams better than the NFC that in my opinion. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in that same boat. I agree with that. Uh, I have some question marks about how well the offensive line for Tampa Bay is going to hold up this year. Um, that's my only concern with them. And uh, funny enough, last night when I was on a show, they asked, who are your Super Bowl dark horses? And I, I actually think that Sam Fran is in a great spot to pull it off this year and get there just because of who they are. But my dark horse as well was Philadelphia. I yeah. and you have to look at where who where they finished last year because their strength of schedule this year is going to be considerably different against some of these other teams like the Rams, like Tampa Bay, who are playing number ones or yeah. number ones, right? There, some of these guys aren't number ones this year after losing some players and stuff. But it it, it looks easier for Philadelphia to me to get in, and then if they get in, I find them to be one of the most dangerous possibilities you could come across. They're almost like Tennessee too from a couple of years ago when they upset Baltimore because teams aren't gearing their defense towards that run heavy attack. So matchups matchup wise, they could just be a strange fit. If you take face a couple teams that are more, more built to stop the pass and you're facing a run heavy team, that could be your downfall. So mm-hmm. the, it always comes down to matchups. Yeah. This does feel like an NFC year for me too, where like nine and five or the, the like that, that 500 team is going to get in the playoffs, like maybe a couple of them. And so like Philadelphia might be like the number three, right. But they're going to host a game first and then who knows what happens, right. You could end up hosting again and things of that nature. So yeah, I, I find them to be like a team that's like the Colts. Like when you last year, when they came in it, you didn't necessarily want to play them because yeah. they, they could do a lot of things that could catch you off guard in a week. Or if Jonathan Taylor just goes balls to the wall, you might not have the answer and that's all it takes and you're done. Your, your whole season's over, right? So uh, I, I agree with you a lot on that. So how about where are you at like uh, out in the AFC? Because you said there was probably a few teams that you said were better than the NFC. I agree with that. Who would be like your surprise AFC team right now? Well, I was I would say Cleveland. If, if, if Deshaun was suspended six games, I think it was Cleveland. I think they would be my dark horse. Um, I just think top to bottom, that roster is fantastic outside of maybe receiver. But I think they probably would have been more aggressive in addressing that need if if Watson was going to play more. So them kind of aside, I think they've got a pretty tough uh, track to get to the playoffs now. Um, it's hard not to look at that AFC West and just pick your favorite from there. I mean, it, I could you could conceivably see all four teams make the playoffs. Like I think each team is that strong individually. With the lone question mark of Vegas, mm-hmm. does Las Vegas have the secondary to get there? Um, that's the big question for me. So I, I think of a dark horse, which is so hard to go. Um, yeah, I know the Chargers have been kind of uh, a favorite, but if it's not them in Denver, and because it, it just Denver's roster is, is just so strong. I mean, they traded away Malik Reed, the guy who's had 13 sacks over the last two years because they didn't have room for him. Like, that's crazy to think about. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a late round pick to, to get rid of a guy like that. So I think Denver would be the team. And I don't say that with strong confidence. It's just that's just where the AFC is that you can literally make the claim that one or two uh, uh, wildcard teams could come from almost every division. I think the East is probably the, the East and the South are the two shakiest there, right? Like they obviously have some bottom feeders and then they also have some clear like middle tier teams. So, uh, but the West and the North just absolutely brutal. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with that a hundred percent because that the West is to me, like I I'm not, like when they signed Russell to that extension today, I was just kind of like, no, like, why? Like, I don't understand what you're doing Elway. Like you just, you, you're proving to me that you can't draft a quarterback, I guess is essentially what you're doing. Cause there's no reason to sign him to that deal. Try him out. See if it works. Right. You know, it like was, it looks great on paper, but you still have to play. It was, it was a cost of the deal. And yeah. I think that's, I think that a big, I think that a big reason why um, Russell didn't stay in Seattle. 
Yeah, I mean, I've, to me, I felt like he was kind of trending down, and you could relate that to offensive line and a lot of other things. Pete Carroll, I think, is past his prime of being an NFL coach. So there was a lot of moving parts to that, but like <laughs> that's a lot of money to just commit to to an older guy that you haven't even seen in your team because you had success with it with Peyton Manning, right? Yeah. Like you that's Peyton Manning, right? Like you can't keep rolling the dice there, but whatever. I, I agree with you in the sense that it's going to be probably one of those teams that I don't think the chiefs are going to make it this year out of that, out of all that slate. I, I just don't find a way for them to truly make it. I think they've fallen off defensively and offensively. I'm curious to see what you're going to do. I understand they still have speed, um, but yeah. it's not Tyreek Hill speed, right? It's got unproven guys. So um, yeah. in Tennessee, I think his, and then today, the the loss of the rusher, uh, I forget his name, but he tore his ACL today. Uh, yeah. They already felt like a trend down team to me. Uh, that's not going to help them out. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm having a hard time not saying that it's going to be AFC West, Bills, and or I'm trending Ravens again this year. I think they have they have the ability every year, I think. That organization just has the ability to pull it off, but. Yeah, they're they're only tough because they're relying on so many players coming back from major injury. Yeah, huge. Um, and can they throw the ball? I mean, and, and and I love Lamar Jackson. That's not a Lamar Jackson comment. That's yeah. a we didn't replace Marquise Brown. Yeah, and, and we, we have, still I, have Greg Roman as the right. coordinator. He doesn't throw. Right. He doesn't right. have to. Like your your two biggest question marks are still there. So it, uh, the me, only I reason I like toward, them is because even when it was just like Mark Andrews, you still couldn't stop it. Right. Like they still are so good. Yeah. If they get out ahead, they're so good at running the ball. I mean, and that defense is just, although it's a new defensive coordinator, it'd be interesting to see how Mike McDonald does. It's not wink anymore. So that'll be interesting. Um, I like, I love Baltimore's raw talent. I just don't know stylistically. Like I keep going back to that Tennessee game where they didn't get ahead. And when they didn't get ahead, can they come overcome it? And they just, I, I just still can't believe that they didn't <laughs> backfill that position of Marquise Brown. Like yeah. Brown was really good for them. Like he's not, you know, a world beater, but he was still really good for them in that role. So you need somebody who can run down. You, you get Lamar yeah. no lanes if you don't have anybody separating down the field, yeah. right? Like he doesn't have anywhere to move. So yeah, I, I just think that overall their their success throughout the generations now yeah. is you can never count them out that their defense will potentially get them all far enough that they could strike on one day. But again, the Bills have had their number the past couple of years because they get out in front right they score yeah. and then they just sit there and they make you wait and try to go slow and force you into problems and you just can't win titles like that nowadays i don't think but if i were going to pick a team that one weekend could take me down i would not say that that's not the baltimore ravens yeah i do agree with that and and like you said it, you're splitting hairs through really good teams i mean right. that's <laughs> it, that's pretty great i mean if you put the bravens in the nfc they might be the favorite or the second favorite so you yeah. know, comparatively, that's a, it's not fair, but we're, we're, we are splitting hairs. All right. All right. So let's, let's hit a little bit real quick on this one. Bill's over 11 and a half wins. You there on the over or the under? Hate this line. And because I, I think it's so good. Um, I, if I were to play it, I would play the over um, very slightly. I, I would maybe say that was the line where I was going to say, you could see it just like last year where they're a top ranked team on both sides of the ball. Um, but you only get to 11 wins because of just timeliness. You get bored. I think this team will get bored at some point this season, um, even though they do face a, a good schedule and the, the competition is high. They're just more talented than a lot of teams. Um, breaking in a new offensive coordinator, that's a little bit of a concern for me too. Uh, but I would take over because oftentimes I just bet on the talent. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to worry too much about like you know matchups against Tennessee. 
They should win that game. Matchup against Baltimore. They should win that game. Pittsburgh should win. Packers should probably win. Um, So, and it's never that easy as counting wins just because of the most talented team. But generally speaking, I do think that they'll be a little bit sharper because of what happened in the playoffs last year. Hopefully that will spur them to a couple of these coin flip type of games. And all they really need to win is like one or two of those extra games that maybe you weren't betting on uh, as like a guarantee, right? I think that gets mm-hmm. into 12 if I'm going to play it. Although I didn't personally take that because I think I really think it's going to come down to like one game there. Yeah. I, uh, I feel the same way. I thought there's Super Bowl odds and everything. There's just no value. They, yeah. They're, they're so good. Yes. And yeah. I, I can, I can buy into that, but the AFC is so good that, uh, and you know, so I, I just didn't see the value. I agree. I do agree with, with Richard, uh, the 13 and four, but I also think that one of those losses is potentially like week 18, um, you know, that you just take a right. loss that you have to kind of consider, right. When you're a good football team that maybe not everybody's playing, you probably are smashing new England out of playoff contention at that time. Right. So you might yeah. just roll out the backups and you might take a loss heading into the playoffs. Right. So I, I, I take some of that in consideration. I'm in that same kind of 13 to four, but I don't feel like I want to mess with it because 12 is yeah. 12 could be the number. Right. I think there's yeah. seven, eight teams in the AFC that could be at 10 wins plus. Right. So 12 could be your number. Yeah. Those got those losses have to come somewhere. And we all know there's going to be some letdown game. It's just going to happen. Um, God forbid if there's an injury, not that we're right. hoping that, but, um, I, you know, I did take the bills to win a super bowl. Cause I don't think we're going to get dramatically better odds, um, on that at some point. Like, I don't think this team really hits like a streak where like, they're going to be, you know, plus 900 plus thousand. I got them at like plus 600 plus 700, something like that. Yeah. Um, but like you said, I mean, I'm only doing that because I, I really think this team wins it. So like, I'm going to take it now and then I'll probably just double down when it comes down to the playoffs, depending yeah, I mean, on like what happens. Yeah, they're probably not going to be like the eight and five Tampa Bay team, right? That went on right. and won the Super Bowl, you know. So Which, I, I don't. Yeah, that, I, I don't myself because I took that team. <laughs> I took that team in the preseason, which oh, that's weren't amazing. But if I'd have waited to take it, it would have been so much better. <laughs> right. At least you got the victory out of it. All right. Let's touch. Uh, let's touch on some of the players real quick. We got about another five minutes or so here. So Josh Allen, they got his pass yards. Uh, last numbers I saw before you and I chatted was 43, 20 and a half touchdowns. were at 35 and a half rush yards, five, 24 and a half rush touchdowns at six and a half. If you go and look at his numbers from last year, they basically just said, we're going to put him right here where he finished. Yeah. It's pretty darn close. I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> I hate when they do that. Um, you know, I, I think they, they really nailed it. I would say the under on the yards, um, under on touchdowns, um, those two are probably the strongest I feel. And it's, it's not because I just think that the offense is going to shift a little bit. And I think some of that comes back to like the boredom. And I think bolt bolstering the offensive line, getting Roger Southwell, it's good adding to the backfield a little bit, knowing the hierarchy of the backfield. They just need to take some off of Josh Allen's plate. Like, I think this is where he meets 2020 plus 2021 more efficient. You're going to see his yards per average go up. You're going to see his completion percentage go up, but overall they're going to take off of his plate because you just have to, you can't go angel of death like every other game and they don't need, they're just not going to need to. Um, So I I took these margins are so close, right? Like Mm -hmm. I think if you take a little bit off, um, still has a great season, has a little bit more of an efficient season. You'll see the interceptions drop a little bit there too. Um, rushing stats. These are really, really tough. I would take over just because I think that's who he is. I think he's just going to run. I wouldn't touch the rushing touchdowns, but I think he's going to run just enough to hit the over on the five, five twenty four. He had 240 that, yards yeah. more than that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I think 
it's not like it's Kyler Murray. I think he's specifically trying to not run. Whereas I think Allen's just going to get into the game and it's just who he is. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome because uh, I pass yards, passing touchdowns. I was leaning under. Um, I, I I agree with the assessment that I think there's going to be a little change in what takes place, and there's gonna, I think a stronger possibility this year that he's not in games all the way till the end. Um, yes. I think some of that's going to actually come into play a little bit this year too. The rush yards, I was going to go over that. Um, I think that he will do less. But yes, 500, he could have 80 in a game with two runs. And then you're, you're not far off of getting to 500, you know, a couple in a couple more times like that. You're there. So he, uh, may, yeah, he may have like 220 just against like Miami in those two games. Like, right. you know, he just, he, there's certain matchups that are so advantageous for him. I think for sure you take the over on that one as well. Yeah, I agreed with the rushing touchdowns, too. He was at six last year. Uh, I saw Moss at the goal line a lot more this year. I think if there's health for one of those running backs, they'll be the top priority at the goal line. Um, so unless he does some big runs from outside the numbers and stuff like that, yeah, I don't think I would mess with six and a half at all. I would just leave it alone because yeah. that's kind of a crazy number. All right, yeah. uh, get, let's go to Diggs. 11, 99 and a half and eight and a half touchdowns. I like over on both. Um, he's going to continue to be the guy. And you lose Cole Beasley, you lose Emmanuel Sanders. I know that this room is loaded, um, but you got rookies and you got young guys or at least newer guys, Jamison Crowder, um, Isaiah McKenzie. We'll see. I mean, we have to still still see on those guys. Like I know practices are what they are, but Josh Allen's going to go to his guy. And right. Stefan Diggs is that guy. Like you, he's just going to get his, the question is whether he misses games. I think that's really like, when I look at a number like this is to me, odds makers are saying we're betting that he's going to miss a game. Mm-hmm. and that's where the difference is. I take the over on those because health is just impossible. Yeah, I agree with that assessment too. In the same regard that week 18, he might not play, right? So yeah. you could, you're essentially almost losing a game too, but I actually like my wide receiver rankings. I have him as like the number two wide receiver to take in fantasy because sure. I've seen consistency for multiple years now with him, and I have no reason to not believe they can do it again, right? All right, so that brings up Davis next. They've got him at 850 and a half and seven and a half touchdowns. Oh, I hate this. Um, if I'm going to take anything, I'll take the under, um, but he's the biggest wild card. I think one of the biggest wild cards, not only in fantasy, but just in football, uh, this year, because of what he could be. I love the talent, love them out of UCF. Um, but I don't know for sure what his role is going to be when that happens. I'm generally going to take the under on yards. I'm not going to play the touchdowns at all because he's such a home run hitter that could happen in four games. Right. So, you know, I don't want to touch that in the same sense that like he may also not get them this year. He's just because he's that type of variance player. So I would say under on yards. I don't, I don't feel super strongly about that. There's a lot of opportunity available. Um, but functionally this offense, there's been a lot of changes and they're not significant enough to maybe like be too worried, but there's enough to maybe say, does Ken Dorsey love this guy? Does he want to feature him more? I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I, if I was going to fly with him, it would be an over on the t- on the touchdowns just because of it could be three games. He might get touchdowns and I could equal eight. Right. Like yep. it, we've seen that happen, but it's it's truly a roll of a dice. But yeah, I, I think that's that all agrees. So two guys real quick here. Uh, Singletary at seven hundred and a half and over five and a half touchdowns. I like the overs on those. I think James Cook not coming in and just stealing the job is a good indicator for Singletary. He's a good back. Um you just, I think they just need to commit to what they want to do. I think that's the biggest question, right? Like, do they don't, and they got to this point last year where they don't mess with Zach Moss too much. Like that's, that was the right call. Like, thank right. goodness that they realized it, but I think Singletary is going to probably hold off cook. If, if he beat him out to this point, I don't think we're going to see a major change there. So I like the overs on both of his. 
Yeah, I like that too. I think I think he could be at six touchdowns in the first four games of the year. Realistically, if he the way the offensive line, I'm in, I'm anticipating a much better push, and it's going to give him way more opportunity. If you if you actually look at his numbers, once he gets out moving, he's good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You just got to get him moving. You know, sometimes we haven't been great at that. So, all right, we're up against it here. You already gave me your Super Bowl guy uh, who you think is going to win the Super Bowl. It, it is the Bills. The only other kind of lone guy is Dawson Knox at 449 and a half and six and a half touchdowns. The touchdown number definitely scares me. Um, yeah. I think he might get the he could get to the yards. What about you? I think he gets the yards. My skepticism on Davis, I would shift optimism on Knox. He was so good in the red zone. So I'm not really sure on the touchdowns either. If I'm going to take anything, I'll take over on both. Um, I do think that Dorsey will continue to prioritize the tight end position and scheme him up uh, good opportunities. And we've seen that Allen likes him. So oh, yeah. I think those things bode well for him. I'm going to take the over on both of those. Yeah, that was the piece I was going to hit. Like, I think people are underestimating how much those two do things with each other and stuff like that. I think when it comes down to it and there's moments in duress, there's you look for Stefan Diggs, but then after that, he has another target in mind. And I think that is Dawson Knox. You know, to, to me, yeah. I, I didn't think he was that important until he was lost last year and the offense completely stalled. Right. It was like, holy crap, Dawson Knox is what runs this offense. And then he came back and everything magically just started flowing again. Right. So I agree with that 100 percent that he 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 should he could go over that touchdown mark too easily. But it it's just it's tough with you. You don't know. Touchdowns right? are tough. Yeah. He's probably not going to have really multiple good. touchdown games. I would be he's more right. of like a one touchdown probably here and there type of player compared to Davis with maybe five in one game. You know, you like I, I would say that's how it flows for me, but all right, let's get you out of here. Ian, I appreciate you coming on and hanging out with us. You got anything that you want to shout out before we get you out of here? Uh, just check out our work at PFN. Um, we're doing a lot of stuff for fantasy this weekend. We've got tons and tons of articles dropping, um, for any fantasy help that you may need, um, free discord. So definitely check that out as well for, for betting and for fantasy. So, um, we're always here just to, to talk shop. So Really appreciate it. Yeah, I love it. It's a lot of great knowledge over there. They're putting out a lot of good stuff. If you're into numbers and betting and the things like I am, I mean, it's a place you should be hanging out and, you know, checking out what they're up to. Uh, I personally, like I was going to say too, with Gabe Davis is kind of the guy that I'm going to probably attack during the season on a game to game basis. And, and once I see how things are starting to flow, but uh, lots of knowledge like that coming from places, you know, where Ian's hanging out at. So you guys should have over there and check them out. Uh, make sure you guys head over to stjews.org and check that out. If you have the opportunity, if you're in a position to donate time and energy, any of that stuff. And of course, make sure you're hitting that link down below so I can whoop you in the pool. And then of course, next week, it's the opener. We're going to be, we're going to be live right before kickoff, uh, leading right up to kickoff of the new NFL season where the Buffalo Bills are hopefully going to win themselves a Super Bowl, right? So thank you everybody for coming in and hanging out. Appreciate all you guys. And of course, go Bills. Make sure you leave a review and subscribe. So you never miss another episode. We'll see you next time. Leg out. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
marketing, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.